0: Paul Blair is a former college all-star at Oklahoma State University, blocking for future Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas. After college, he was drafted by the Chicago Bears, playing under coach Mike Ditka, and alongside Hall of Famer Walter Payton. Blair has served as the senior pastor of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, since 2001, and a satellite, Liberty Church of Orlando, in 2018. Blair is president of Reclaiming America for Christ and founder of the Liberty Pastors Network and the Liberty Pastor training camps. Paul's received numerous awards in football and as a pastor. He's fought and overcome cancer, and yet his biggest challenge may be the one he's facing now. How do you awaken America's churches to join the battle for liberty? He's a dear friend and a co-warrior for pirate money and our guest in the Economic War Room. Paul,
1: welcome. Kevin, it's a joy to be on your show. You've been a friend for a long time. It's about time I got an invite. I didn't know what it took. I didn't know who I had to know to get on, but I'm glad to be here. We're glad you're
0: here, too. Let's start with football, because you had an amazing career. Football is something I watched in college, and my wife went to Oklahoma State, huge uh, Cowboy fan. So uh, tell me about football. What was it like playing for the Cowboys and then later for Mike Ditka?
1: Well, I I was a late bloomer, uh, was going through that awkward teenage Pubescent stage, and then but finally blossomed at eighteen. And I had a good senior year. Uh, got some attention from colleges. Uh, coach by the name of Jimmy Johnson was at Oklahoma State yeah. University at that time. They decided to take a chance on me with their last scholarship that year. And uh, frankly, I was the prize of the class. I had a great career there at Oklahoma State. Sadly, had uh, knee injuries which followed me throughout my entire career. But I was drafted by the defending world champion. Uh, wonderful privilege to play play for some of the greatest. Coaches and with some of the greatest uh, players of all time, you know, and greats would always be hanging around the locker room. You know, Dick Butkus was always hanging around because he worked for one of the local radio stations. Yep. Gale Sayers would drop in Hallis Hall just to say hi. But you know, played with McMahon and Fridge and Singletary and and and, Peyton and all those guys and under Ditka. But uh, four, sadly, out of five years in the NFL, four of them ended on the operating table. Mm. So after 1990, in fact, my last year, I was with the Vikings actually. Uh, it's amazing what you'll do for money and even go play for our enemy if they were willing to pay me <laughs> but uh, uh anyway after 1990 i retired uh went back home and uh of course now i'm in ministry interesting journey how I got there, but originally was in in the business world. Uh, My oldest brother and I started a a vending company and coffee service uh, after my rookie year. And actually, I owned and ran that with my oldest
0: brother for 29 years. Well, normally you think a football player is going to come out and get a car dealership (laughs) or a restaurant, but you did a vending company. And you said, you know, Jimmy Johnson, I hadn't thought about that, but you played for two Super Bowl champion coaches. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, Jimmy had come out of Pittsburgh, brought a great staff with him you know all of those guys uh, butch davis dave wanstad uh, tony wise all of them went on to you know very great careers uh, in the nfl as coaches but they were all just young guys in their upper 20s and this was their first uh, head coaching job was at oklahoma state and of course they got us turned around on a good trajectory there there that we're still on
0: did uh, you always grow up as an osu fan? i mean you grew up, up in did. oklahoma yep. a, a a the slight majority yeah. favor of the sooners and a slight minority favor the Cowboys. Well, it's easy to be a bandwagon fan. Now, let's yeah. face it, OU has been
1: one of the most dominant football programs in college football for throughout the last 100 years. So it's tough to share a state with the University of Oklahoma. But uh, my father uh, was in the Navy during World War II. When Dad got out, he married my mother. Uh, they came from uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, and went to school at Oklahoma A&M which, of course, became Oklahoma State. So since my dad went to college at Oklahoma A&M, we grew up going to OSU football games. So uh, I I just had it in my blood. And honestly, coming out of high school, I was one of those, you know, in-betweeners. I didn't have a long history uh, of—there wasn't a lot of film on me at the high school level. So I was kind of a chance guy. I was one of those guys that had great upside, but you're taking a little bit of a chance. Of course, Really, there's no sure things. But Oklahoma State was where I was wanting to play, and once they offered me a scholarship, then my decision was made.
0: Well, I never played football. I didn't have the talent for it. I didn't have the size for it. I didn't have anything for it, but I loved to watch it. <laughs> that
1: helps. You know, size and talent, Yeah, that helped. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but I would drive over, because I went to the University of Tulsa. We'd drive over to Stillwater for the mm-hmm. games, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't because I thought that OSU football was superior to OU football. It was because the girls seemed pretty we, to me. We,
1: we absolutely. Oklahoma girls, and I can tell you, in particular, Oklahoma state girls were were gorgeous compared to the rest of the country
0: so I we would drive over there I married one and and, but that would be my college yeah Yeah. it was it was but now you mentioned your father and Oklahoma A&M he was a pastor too right Right.
1: dad was bivocational he had an incredible calling and I you know dad's been in heaven since 2001 and I wish I could tell him how much I respect him because I respect him more every day but uh, Dad made his living as an architect and was very successful, but he pastored small independent churches or Baptist churches that uh, had a difficult time supporting a pastor. So I grew up most of my life attending churches that my dad pastored, and generally the Sunday morning attendance was somewhere between 35 and 70. So I grew up in that small church, but had a great couple of parents. Of course, being a sheltered kid from a conservative family, I go to college. For about eight years of my life, I wasn't walking the walk that I should have been walking. But after my third year in the NFL, I, I recognized that I was at home in the off season and actually attending a church service Sunday evening with where my dad was preaching. Didn't want to be there, but out of respect for my father, I was there. And I recognized that, you know, Paul, you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ. But really, if you took a snapshot of your life right now, there's no evidence that you're following Christ. So I was convicted. I walked the aisle, made sure that I was saved, was baptized again the following week, and have been walking in a new direction ever since. Then my dad had a stroke in uh, 1998. I was actually teaching an adult Bible class at a larger church in the Oklahoma City area and had been for years. Dad had a stroke and... I came back over to the church to kind of help hold it together and just to make a long story short for the sake of time, uh, after a couple of years, the Lord finally got through to me that uh, he was calling me to that job. And there were a number of things that just confirmed it along the way that we don't have time and probably would bore people to tears than we talked about. But uh, at the age of 37, I was called into full-time ministry.
0: How, how and, many how many um, parishioners
1: were there in oh, 2001? At the time, uh, when uh, when I came over there, uh, initially it was probably about 50. Uh, when I accepted the, the pastorate, I was probably about 75. Uh, you know, now we we, we you know, we're ten times that running two services. We're debt free. We use biblical economics. No, I've been to your church. Yeah, you we, let me we, come speak. Yeah.
0: It's a, it's a phenomenal church, and and it's
1: a healthy church involved in all sorts of stuff and uh, really engaged, trying to be a lighthouse to the culture. But now I'm going on 23 years as the senior pastor there, so wow. uh, it's a interesting now, way that God works.
0: You're you're in the reddest state in the yep. union. We're told, <laughs> uh, but it seems sometimes that progressives still maintain that grip of control. Yeah. Uh, we're going to need to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the the transition you had from pastor and teaching, preaching the Word of God mm-hmm. to involved mm-hmm. in the political system and in the daily lives of your parishioners. That, that was a transition, and I want to understand it. So let's okay. take a break, and we'll come back and talk about it. Here's a $10 bill. It's got the picture of Alexander Hamilton on the front of it. You know, it's kind of sad. When I was 10 years old... Everything that I could buy for a dollar now costs about $10. That's the cost of inflation. It's just paper, it's not backed by anything. You can't exchange it for gold and silver. It used to, but you can't do that anymore. And that's unfortunate. You know, pirates wouldn't accept this. Pirates, they wanted gold and silver. Patriots, the founders of this nation also wanted gold and silver coin. In fact, they put a provision in the Constitution, 17 words, that said states could only make gold and silver coins tender within the states. That's why I wrote this new book, Pirate Money, Discovering the Founders' Hidden Plan for Economic Justice and Defeating the Great Reset. It will explain exactly the history of money and exactly why gold and silver coins can be made modern with new technology and a useful monetary system. PirateMoneyBook.com
2: I'm Kevin Sorbo When you spend money you consider who you're buying from and the causes they support If you don't, then you're likely supporting companies that are trying to destroy our country and take away our freedoms Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider They're a cell phone company and a good one They offer nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks, along with 100% U.S.-based customer support. But here's the deal. Patriot Mobile's mission has nothing to do with cell phones. They carry out their mission by giving back millions of dollars every year to Christian conservative causes that are actively engaged in the fight to save America. Voting is no longer enough to beat the woke. We have to band together, support like-minded companies, and vote with our dollars. That's how we win. Stop supporting companies that want to destroy America and join Patriot Mobile today by visiting patriotmobile.com or call 972-PATRIOT.
0: So, Paul, we've been talking about your career both coming from football, then going into the pastorate, and then something changed. You had a very small church, 50 to 75. I guess 100 is the average church size, really, across the nation. Mm -hmm. But you've grown it substantially since then. What was the transition that took you from a pastor preaching the word as a football former football player to now being a leader, uh, you ran for state senate yep. in politics. Yep.
1: Well, actually, it's interesting. It was the Andy Griffith show. And I was in my home office on a Sunday afternoon going over my notes for the Sunday evening service. Happened to have the football game on, as, of course, I would have on during football season. And I was reviewing my notes and watching the—I think the Dallas Cowboys were playing. But the game ended, and I didn't have the remote control handy, so I couldn't turn the TV off. Next thing you know, an Andy Griffith show was on. And I started—I was caught up in this. And in about 25 minutes, the story went—it was all about church— and revolved around the church. And the final scene in the in the in the video or in this particular episode was was panning across the the crowd in this little congregational church at Mayberry with Aunt B up in her new choir robe, and they're all singing beautiful hymns under the Lord. And of course, the show ended, and you just felt warm all over. You just felt good. It's like wow, that was great. And then it just dawned on me. This is like two thousand four, two thousand five. And I was, you know, roughly 40 years old. I was a young dad. I had two children that were like, you know, three and five at the time. And I thought, in my lifetime, we've gone from Andy Griffith to this dribble that we have on now. We've gone from, you know, true grit to Brokeback Mountain. You know, Mm -hmm. we've gone from educating children to now where we're trying to groom children into the LGBT lifestyle. And about 2005, it just hit me. I said, Lord, what kind of country, and Lord Jesus, I know you could return at any moment, but if you don't, what kind of country are my children going to be living in, and my children going to be raising my grandchildren in, and that shook me awake, because yep. I recognized... And
0: I want to jump in here. Yeah. That is from someone in Oklahoma. Now, yep. Edmond's yep. not a small town, right. but you're surrounded by small towns, and you know a lot of people that live yep. in the little town, yep. in the Mayberry, North yep. Carolina This isn't this isn't someone that came from New York to see this. This is someone that knows small town America. So if you're if you're in New York, you think, well, yeah, it's always been this way. Uh, But in rural America, it's Mm -hmm. not. No, it's creeping in even to the small towns. Absolutely. And the
1: sad thing is, even in a state like Oklahoma, in order to run for office, You have to be a Republican because we're overwhelmingly Republican in the state of Oklahoma. So the problem with that is, is you have a lot of people that really, truly aren't Republican in their principles, that register as a Republican during campaign season. They say, hey, I'm pro-life. I'm for small government and carry their Bible around and show up in church. But then once they get elected, you find out that they really aren't what they profess to be. We have a lot of moderates, and that's why it's such a battle. That even in a state like Oklahoma, trying to get good legislation like the uh, you know uh, transactional currency uh, in uh, through a state like Oklahoma, because there's so many moderates that are in there.
0: Yeah, they're not even. I mean, that's why I think Donald Trump upsets so many yep. people. Yeah. No, no. Because He said, this is who I am. He didn't apologize for it. And he went in and did what he believed was right. Right. And and that no, they want somebody who says I'm pro-life and then, well, but we've got to protect this or we've got to defend this.
1: They want to tell you what to do. And they want somebody they can control. Quite frankly, that's the lobbyists. That's the big money. You You said I ran for state senate. You know, I thought it would be an easy deal. I was running against a rhino, the guy I just described. But he was the appropriations chair for the Senate. So he was a very powerful person. Throwing around but, a lot of money. You know, one time, you, you look at the history. You know, one time I was called Edmund's hometown hero. I've done so many charitable things in my hometown and have always chosen to live there. I could have lived in, lived in Chicago. I could have well, thank God I didn't make that decision. Yeah. But could have lived in Chicago, could have lived in Minneapolis, could have lived in Denver. But, Edmund was home. But when I ran for office and it looked like I was going to upset or beat the incumbent, it would be amazing. It was the, the chamber, quite frankly, Aubrey McClendon. Uh, the, uh, there, there were several yeah. very moneyed people, billionaires, right. including the Indian tribes and other construction companies that benefited from some of the state largesse. They came together in a super PAC. And get this, Kevin. They, they put together a million dollars in a super PAC. And they ran
0: for a state Senate for race, a
1: state Senate race. And they ran television ads and radio ads calling me a, a cheat and a tax cheat and a, and a crook. And the thing for I found Oklahoma out
0: Oklahoma State Senate,
1: race. Oklahoma State Senate. What I found because we attempted to sue him, found out that if you are considered a public figure, people can say whatever they want to around you, about you. It doesn't have to be true. If you're a public figure, they can call you whatever they want to. And you just have to have to take it. But they, literally, I've got radio ministry on bot radio. And during campaign season, by law, they have to sell space to these campaigns. And it was funny because, you know, I'd have my exploring the word radio ministry come on every day. And before Paul Blair, Bible teacher, you had a commercial saying Paul Blair's a crook and a cheat. And then you had my radio ministry and then you had another commercial saying Paul Blair's. Boy, (laughs)
0: they were scared of you. uh,
1: you Jim Bridenstine, great congressman, was in charge of NASA under Trump. Jim told me, said they couldn't afford to let you get in office because you would counteract all the money they spent on lobbyists. You you have the ability to to claim the proclaim the truth articulately where you can influence other senators. What so I'm picturing is
0: Obi Wan Kenobi, <laughs> who goes down and he gets struck down by Darth yeah. Vader, and I'll come <laughs> back even stronger than mm-hmm. you can imagine. And that's what you're doing with Liberty Pastors. Yeah. You you're actually instead of instead of being one Paul Blair in the Oklahoma Senate, you, you're creating. How many Paul Blairs across the country from pastors? So far, we've had
1: 14 camps. We've actually trained about 1,400 that have graduated. We've got three more coming up. Of course, you speak at all of our events, uh, and we've got three more coming up this year, so we should be at 1,700. God willing, I'd like to be able to train another 1,000 pastors and get another 1,000 churches activated between now and the end of 2024. You know, just takes money, but if we can do it, if we can raise the money, we're going we're to do it.
0: Yeah, you're doing phenomenal. And with that, uh, you've got, Pastor all across the country, and right. they're getting educated by some of the best speakers. I mean, I, I sit in the room with these personal heroes yep. as they're talking to you. And name some of the people that you've had.
1: Oh, well, we've had... Uh, 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 um, um. Trevor Loudon, we've had Bob McEwen, we've had yourself, we've had Alex McFarlane, we've had uh, Stephen Black. We, we talk about issues. We have Alex Newman. We talk about globalism. We talk about the World Economic Forum. We start biblically, though. I mean, we start chapter and verse. First of all, we knock down the wall that pastors have saying, I can't talk about certain things in church. Where did that rule come from? And that's nonsense that they have swallowed hook, line, and sinker. But when you look at it biblically, God created the material world and God created the spiritual world. And from the Jewish understanding, we're to glorify God in whatever we do. So everything we do, we should be looking to Scripture for counsel. Most pastors know that but have never thought about it. And we knock down that wall, and then we begin teaching them, chapter and verse, what God established civil government for and what it wasn't to be for. So we begin there, we teach about civil government, teach about economics and other current issues that they face today.
0: Well, it's phenomenal, and what you do is you activate them. Yes. So the pastors aren't just their Sundays. Next steps. They're actually getting involved in the community, and you're raising up, uh, as a result, people are running for office. People are encouraging others to run for office. It's a phenomenal thing all right we're going to need to take another break but when we come back let's talk about the impact that liberty pastors are having in uncertain times finding stability in the economy can feel challenging but what if you could navigate economic volatility while honoring your biblical values at timothy plan they believe this balance is possible timothy plan filters its volatility weighted etfs and family mutual funds through a biblical pro-life and pro-family lens so you can see competitive returns and moral responsibility helping you to weather the economic storms with timothy plan align your investments with your values while adapting to our ever-changing culture since 1994 timothy plan has been recognized leader in biblically responsible investing timothy plan your bridge between faith finances and the future Visit timothyplan.com or call 1-800-TIM-PLAN or 1-800-846-7526. Investing includes risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at timothyplan.com. Paul, we've been talking about liberty pastors, and they drive solutions. They take this, you know, word of God, and they say, hey, you need to live it out. I can think of somebody else that said that. That was Jesus. <laughs> he, he had all, you know, all of these rules and regulations and stuff, and he said, no, no, no let's live it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's live out what we mean and not just follow a bunch of rules. And you're training maybe 2,400 by the end of next year. The impact of that is enormous. It's going to touch politically. It's going to touch in business. It's going to touch in so many areas.
1: Well, you, you talk frequently about the Great Reset, and I do as well. Where well, we're hoping to bring about the Great Awakening instead. But we, we train these pastors to think differently. And as you just said, we're Christians. We're supposed to follow Christ. That's what Christian means. Well, when are you supposed to follow Christ? Just on Sundays and Sunday morning? Well, no. We're supposed to follow Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In all that we do, we bring glory to God. We're to make 24-7 disciples. So we get pastors to start thinking that way. Then we give them all sorts of materials and resources to help further their education as they're now reading the Bible differently. And they're making 24-7 disciples in their congregation. Where you send your kids to school? Where you, we, we encourage our pastors to use their churches to open up home schools or start a private Christian school. And by the way, it's very easy for a pastor to reach out to a local homeschool co-op because they need places to meet. All you've got to do is provide them your building for a day or two a week. They'll take care of the rest of it. We happen to have four different homeschool co-ops that call our church their headquarters, that's and they meet there. We have hundreds of children that uh, that are being educated in a comprehensive biblical worldview, and they're being taught how to read, writing, arithmetic, real science. They're not taught the woke garbage that's permeating our public school system today.
0: Where you invest
1: your money. Yes, where are you investing? We've got to weaponize our money. And i tell you, one of the things that's really encouraging, Kevin, is you see the response to Target, and you see the response to Anheuser-Busch, you see the response to Disney, and this has just been natural, organic responses. It wasn't AFA or somebody trying to call a boycott. People were just fed up. They're tired of it, and they are changing where they're spending their money. That is weaponizing money. And that's yeah. one of the things that we do together, is we want to get these financial analysts and advisors trained up properly so they not be part of the, the, the woke agenda. And we want Christians to start spending their money in places that it will honor God. And, you know, some of the sponsors that you have here, for example, you know, self-service. You know, I switched and my cell service is just as good as it always was. Yeah. Only now I'm helping support a Christian company that helps support things that I believe in rather than helping to support the woke agenda.
0: Yeah, no question. But it's
1: amazing what we've got. We we got one we got so many pastors. We got pastors that run for the state legislature in one. Uh we've got pastors that run for mayor. One in Lake Wells, Florida, a guy named Jack uh, uh, Jack Hilligos, pastors High Point Church in Lake Wells. It's amazing, you know, Jack lives down there in Florida, he didn't come to our count our conference in Orlando, he came to the one in Little Rock. I don't know how that works, but that's the way it works. People just traveled wherever they can. But Jack went home, got on fire, ran for mayor. The very first things he did was rather than issue the standard June LGBT pride promotion, he stood with Governor DeSantis and did a celebrating families and fatherhood month. And boy, did he catch Hades over it. But he stood strong. And now that he did that Lake Wells, there are now seven other cities in that county that didn't do it this year. So it's a tidal wave building. And like I said, he went home, ran for mayor. He started a Christian school. They have got a salt light ministry going on in there. They are truly activated. You know, imagine 2,400 churches across America that have pastors like that that are active and engaging you know we can either curse the
0: culture or we can engage it and hope to transform it I love the engage and hope to transform now one of the things we're working on together um, we found this pastors are rarely able to touch individuals who have one of the greatest fears they have which is the fear of losing their money Mm -hmm. I get asked all the time as a financial advisor how do I protect my money and I look at them and I say this is a ridiculous question and Mm -hmm. they say what do you mean I said, do you ask the question, how do I protect my gun? (laughs) And they said, no, the gun's supposed to protect me. I said, exactly, and the money should protect you, and the money should protect our culture. We gotta get people to stop realizing, thinking the money is the prize, but start thinking the money is the weapon that they can use to protect. But I ran into a situation, a wonderful Christian man, he's an ER doctor, and he um, laid out for me on a table all of the money that he had, he had millions of dollars, And I knew he was a Christian. He said, I said, what's going on? He said, well, I'm afraid of losing my money. I said, this is a big fear. It's driving your life. He said, I can't stop thinking about it. It drives me. I'm going to lose my money. What happens? I said, have you talked to your pastor about this? Oh, God, no. I said, why not? It's a fear. This is something the Lord can help you with. He said, oh, no, he'll want the money for the new building campaign. (laughs) And I realized that we need to get financial advisors partnered with pastors so that they can touch the very real needs of the members of the church who are afraid of about money, but can't bring it up with the pastor, and it goes beyond getting out of debt. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond. I love getting out of debt. Sure. That's fantastic. It goes beyond biblically responsible investing because some biblically responsible investors believe in ESG mm-hmm. and they want to promote the wokeness, open the borders, and and you know, provide free abortions and things mm-hmm. because they're lost. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond that. It goes into liberty, security and values. And that's what we're working on together. That's what we're here. That's why you're here is we're training right. uh, pastors about how they can help meet the needs of their congregation. I just love that, that, that Liberty pastors goes into the heart of life instead of just sitting up and, and quoting Jesus. Well, and, and to all of us, you know, money is such a big part of
1: life, and it always has been. It's amazing. You know, there are some five times more verses in the Bible about money than there are about faith and prayer. Yet most pastors are completely ignorant when it comes to economics, and that's a failure. Quite frankly, we've been taught this idea of we only talk about spiritual things. Well, you know what? We're supposed, everything's supposed to be spiritual. Yes. We're supposed to get, honor God in our, our, our business ethic, our work ethic, our sexual proclivity, how our families function, uh, and how we handle money.
0: Luke and, 16, and 11. Yep. If you're not yep. faithful with yep. your unrighteous mammon, right. you will not be trusted with true riches. Right. That, that is actually step one. And most people just skip yep. over it. Yep. And then they treat wealthy people in the church as the ATM machine <laughs> when there's a need. And, and that really gets into serious problems because then the wealthy don't really mm-hmm. get ministered to. Right. They just get called on, hey, we have a building campaign, support this.
1: Right. And quite frankly, loving your neighbors, you love yourself. You know, I should live my life, pay, for my, pay my bills, pay my family, so I never need help from you. But at the same time, if you're doing things the right way, you should always be willing to help if I really get into a real mess and it's accidental. It wasn't because I've been out buying lottery tickets or you know doing some stupid stuff. But we should live that life where we're able to help others. But quite frankly, at the same time, we want to be living a life where we don't need to ask others for help. But we don't teach economics at all. We learn economics either on internet or from the lost world, and we have Christians with just as bad. We don't
0: learn it at all. all, So I I really appreciate what you're doing. You can learn more about Liberty Pastors and our free economic battle plan. You can get that at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.